Hey everybody, welcome back and happy new year. Welcome back to Sex, Drugs, and the Epigenome. I'm back with Dr. Seeds, who is fresh off the ski slopes and back in the office and the OR. Doc, so great to have you back. And we missed you so much. Karen, I'd be amiss if I didn't say that I missed you also. <laughs> I feel honored. I feel honored. Well, folks, we have a after taking a much needed little holiday break and giving Dr. Seeds an actual breather, we have a ton of questions to answer. And so we've compiled them all for you. So today's episode is another dun, 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 AMA. So let's get right back into that. This comes from all over the place. And so we take them from email questions. We take them from our Facebook questions and our messages. And of course, Instagram, as well as Pinterest and, and YouTube. So you can see us there. Um, so the first question comes to us from Jason. He asks, hi, Dr. Seeds. Saw your podcast talking about C-Link. Is C-Link, is it C-Link doc or C-Link? Cause I've heard you kind of say it C-Link. Yeah, I, I call it C-Link. I think C-Link is fine, but it's C-Link, yeah. <laughs> Selink it is. Is Selink okay to use for anxiety and depression if you have a platelet count on the low end of the normal spectrum, 149? I've read that it has anticoagulant effects. Thanks. Doc. Hmm. Well, so, uh, so Selink is a, it's a, it's a neuropeptide and an immune peptide that we use. Uh, which I think has quite a bit of data on, you know, for the, the, the reasons of, of, of modulating the immune system and working with the immune system, but also works as a really, as a, a GABA agonist uh, or uh, uh, to, it's an allosteric agonist, meaning it can help with anxiety and it affects the, the GABA receptor. Um, the uh, the question about anticoagulation it it has properties of improving uh, uh, of preventing thrombolytic type of episodes. Um, these are all based on animal studies um, that that this person's referring to, but it has a um, it's a seven amino acid sequence um, and it has an arginine amino acid in the sequence that is associated with anticoagulation. Um, I don't think in your case, I would consider this, um, a, 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 I would consider this something that would work against utilizing it for anxiety um, and more so for immune regulation um with a lower platelet count like what you've discussed I, I don't think there's an issue with that other than um in, in that i don't think it's that significant that it's going to be um uh, that that i have seen in in using the peptide in, in in potentially giving you any issues i mean i i think our biggest especially now for immune regulation i think it's an excellent um nasal peptide because of its uh it resembles the it has it 
it has properties uh, significant to tufsin, which we've talked about before. I think we talked about this a long time earlier on in, in the discussions about cell length. That tufsin is a um, it's a tetrapeptide that's in the um, in the FC fragment of of immunoglobulin G, and it's and that fragment, that tetrapeptide fragment, is what helps improve phagocytosis in uh, macrophages and neutrophils. And so Selenc has that fragment property that when it fragments, it has that Tufsin fragment that works on improving the immune system uh, in, in that fashion. And, and, we, and besides that, it has other antiviral properties that have been tested um, and, uh, and studied against like influenza A. And influenza A is another RNA virus like this Corona is an RNA, vi RNA virus. Um, and it, it's been shown to be effective and, and, and effective antiviral. So we like it because we can inject that in the nose and, um, and use those properties uh, that, that make it so significant in, in improving immune regulation. And I think, the, I can't remember, there are some other things about it that are really, I think, uh, and make it a, a very, uh, a nice cornerstone in working with across all age groups because you don't have to inject this. This is a nasal injection, uh, nasal uh, introduction. So I would tell this person no, um, but of course, you know, you can follow, you know, a couple of things you can, your doctor can follow your PT and PTTs. Um, you can look for increased bruising. You can look for nosebleeds, um, things like that. That would be an indication that you'd have to stop immediately. Um, but I haven't had that. I have not had those issues. And, and I have had uh, patients with lower uh, platelet counts than that. Um, uh, but um, yeah, I think, I, I think for the purposes of what you've been successful in using it for, um, especially now with this immune modulation activity uh, that is, I think, significant and um, we've utilized that in many protocols um, just because of that significance of the couple things I've talked about. Oh, the other thing was the lymphotoxin. Um, it's just some, it's a chemokine that, that it activates in, 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 upreg in just sensitizing the innate immune system to work when it needs to immediately with, with bringing in CD4 and CD8 type of cells, helper cells and, you know, killer cells. But anyways, what I'm saying is that it's a nice peptide to be uh, using that's easy to, um, uh, to get uh, cooperation with your patients because it's a nasal injection. So I, I wouldn't, I really don't think I would, I would be worrying about it, but there's things you can look for with it. Awesome. And I forgot to do a few things. I'm a little rusty after the holidays, Doc. We forgot to give our medical disclaimer. So please do know this is for medical education purposes only. It is not of a, any sort of diagnosis for you, Doc. Uh, please always consult with your physician before moving forward with any of the topics that are we discussing here. And also, Absolutely. yes, also, Doc, we did not even get to talk about that really slick red velvet blazer that you have on. Well done, Josh. Can you done, tell that Josh. on it? Yeah. You can see that on it? 
Oh, it lit and it in the the shine from the lighting in the room is giving it like a sheen. I like it a lot. What about this? What about this? Do you see that? Love that. I have mine right over there. I'm gonna go grab it on the next question. But um, Doc, I have a follow-up question to to how you answered the 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 Selenk. Is it a Selenk question? And I've heard yeah. you describe it has nothing to do with um Selenk, by the way, but I've heard you describe peptides as like a dipeptide. And this is a tetrapeptide. What is the significance of that? What what makes that kind of important to note for for folks? Um, well, it's a, that just means it's a seven amino acid chain. It's just a smaller amino acid. It's a regulatory peptide. It can easily penetrate the nasal pharynx. It can penetrate the blood brain barrier. It's a smaller type of peptide. It is uh, and it fragments. Um, uh, I told you it has, it, it has the Tufsin tetrapeptide, uh, which is, um, it's uh, threonine, uh, lysine, proline, and arginine, which are arginine, which are, which is the four. And then they add this, um, um, they add, uh, they add a proline glycine proline to it to make it more stable. So it makes it stable and it holds it in the system longer. And then that, and then actually there are immune. So, so when it fragments, it can fragment into arginine, proline, glycine, proline, um, and it can become a very significant immune peptide. Um, so it, it's really interesting how when it fragments, how it becomes even a more significant peptide, but um, a dipeptide is like two peptides, like uh, uh, like the one we talk uh, quite a bit about, L-carnosine. Um, and um, yeah. Uh, is it safe to say that the more peptides that you have, the more volatile it is? So if it's like a bigger peptide. No, actually no. some of these smaller peptides are very powerful. The L-carnosine supplement is tremendously yeah. powerful. Um, that's a histidine and alanine combination of, of two amino acids that have such significance in the brain, in the pancreas. Um, I mean, it, it's incredible that just a, a regulatory peptide, dipeptide can have such a significant influence on regulating metabolism and, and improving, uh, uh, improving the uh, improving being a buffer in in the blood for ph and buffer in the brain um, for metabolism and I, I mean you know multiple aspects of, of of how it works but that's just two peptides now you can have we have bigger uh peptides polypeptides um that are of significant size um that may not even have that significant amount of influence that that dipeptide does but have a very directed and specific function mm. um, and so so yeah that they're they're all it's interesting how how there's variability and versatility in every every peptide we discuss <laughs> That's going to be my next question for you, Doc, is, okay, you bring up a new peptide I haven't heard of. So what, how many peptides in there? How many fragments? <laughs> now I'm just going to try to find a correlation. 
Well, cool. Sorry about that sidetrack, folks. And thank you for that question. Um, next question, again, Facebook is on blast. Uh, comes to us from Facebook from Mobas. Hi, Dr. C's. Listen to your podcast about back pain with the athlete with the neck problem. Thanks. It was very informative. Gives me hope and healing. That was Diana. And healing from my own injuries. Do you recommend any peptides for lumbar disc herniations? I have a problem at I5S1. I understand these are tricky to heal at the, as they are a vascular. Well, so she's talking about it, the A or whoever. Is that that's from Diana? Um, she, he, this person, I think it's a guy referring to the podcast we did with Diana. Oh, okay. Well, um, short and sweet, um, and this goes back to Mastermind 2, um, where we had a nice discussion about the vertebral disc and the nucleus pulposus, and then um, which is the center of the disc, and it's it's an avascular area that um, that that works in an, under a different metabolism versus the outside of the nucleus pulposus in the annulus of the disc. And what's, what we've learned that's very interesting here is there that what happens as the nucleus pulposus or the center of the disc starts to deteriorate because that's what pushes out through the annulus and into the, uh, it's what's called a herniation of the disc. That area is, we have found that his, uh, uh, histone deacetylase is, there are significant histone deacetylase um, activity uh, that is leading to um, uh, that that is um, creating an issue let's say with um, controlling the metabolism uh, and the oxidative state of that nucleus pulposus meaning the inflammation involved and so there are actually some simple things uh, like that we've discussed before, just butyrate, which is a, a, a four chain fatty acid, the, the butyrates that you can, you can buy online um, um, that are very specific and um, like the calcium magnesium or the sodium or the potassium sodium butyrate. And those are histine, histone deacetylase inhibitors. And they actually work against that process. And, and that's very significant um, because that is a way to maintain health in the disc, um, in, the, in the disc space. And in fact, that goes back to the, uh, another, just, just going to another aspect about talking about ketones and ketone esters and how ketone esters can do the, have histone deacetylase inhibitor, our histone deacetylase inhibitors also, and work specifically in that area. Um, now, that is, that's helping in, in trying to maintain um, the, the aspect of the, what we're talking about metabolism and how that nucleus pulposus loses its ability um, to control that histone deacetylase and, and how that takes advantage of, of the metabolism of the, of the, uh, of the center of the disc. Well, if, if we want to talk about peptides, there's different, there are definitely, um, uh, there are, there are certain peptides like ipamorelin and, and CJC1295 that 
have the ability to maintain that health in all tissue cells by upregulating um, cyclic AM, or, or uh, by upregulating AMPK and and setting up the cell energy appropriately and, and trying to dis dissuade that disc for increasing its his histone deacetylase activity. And, and that that is something that can be significant because things like ipamorelin also can improve um, things like pituitary adenylcyclase activating peptide, which is a, it's a peptide that's involved in neural pain and, and aspects like that. Um, and we, we actually talk about uh, more, we talk about once that disc is herniated and then it causes peripheral nerve dermatome pain and then also causes pain back at the lower back area. And that's all, we, we went through all this in, uh, in, uh, um, in Mastermind 2, but it all has to do with, this, with, with specific neuronal um, uh, pain uh, generators like the, uh, like, um, um, uh, what was it? Uh, um, uh, ca uh, calcitonin, um, nerve related, um, calcitonin, uh, nerve related peptide. And that is controlled by, it's improved by things like brain neurotrophic growth factors, which we have discussed in detail about using like things like cerebral lysin and things like that, that can actually negate that those type of um, um, uh, pain generators. So, so that's, a, that's a really loaded question, but there is, are absolute things that, like what I told you about the butyrate, which is a very inexpensive way um, to keep, to maintain the health and then there have been studies that have been, you know, it's all about the oxidative state and what happens in that disc that starts creating problems. Well, I gave you some ways that you can keep disc healthy before you get to that way, that, 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 that space, or in the middle of this inflammatory process, you know, we can go through all the aspects of things that we use to treat the inflammatory pain that once that disc is herniated to some degree. And one of them is definitely the, um, this cerebral lysin. Uh, another one is now, um, is the P, uh, PO21, um, that you can use as a nasal spray, or you can directly use it. That is one that improves the ciliary, uh, uh, neurotrophic factor, um, which also increases brain derived neurotrophic factor. That's something that is that's a component of cerebral lysin. So there are a bunch of ways to go at it. Um, and of course, exercise, you know, low grade exercise because that's gonna reduce inflammation, you know, appropriate diet, um, the appropriate microbiome that's gonna make the amount of butyrate that you need where you don't need the supplement. But it's, it's interesting because that supplement, that butyrate is very effective in, in, in something um, uh, like that, uh, in helping, uh, maintain the nucleus pulposus, um, um, uh, 
health. And I would recommend it even if it's, let's say you have a degenerative disc at that, at that level. Well, you want to try to maintain all the other levels because what can happen is, you know, that biomechanics change, more stress is placed on the disc above and above and above. And so you want to do everything you can to maintain the health of that disc. And so some of those things I just discussed with you are, are tremendous uh, um, edgevents in, in, in protecting the, the disc other than also exercise. Um, there's been, there have been some excellent um, recent studies that have talked about uh, just the use of higher dose melatonin um, that, that really works as an antioxidant in, in working against pain. Um, and that's been, they talk about using 10, 15 milligrams and even higher doses of, of melatonin. Um, so, you know, there's multiple ways that that's if pain's involved. So you've got a couple different steps you can use, but that's a great question about the health. And I, I think we really hit that very well in our mastermind for our, our docs and in discussing some of this newer information that we weren't aware of of how the metabolism of the annulus in the disc, which is surrounds the center, which is the nucleus pulposus, which is a vascular and has a, a different, works under different metabolism than the, uh, than the annulus does. And so it's really significant to try to, try to keep that healthy. And, and that's, you know, that's another, it's another segue into why exercise and nutrition and all these things that you know nutrition and exercise control the microbiome the microbiome we're finding is a bigger and bigger and bigger component um in fact a new paper um i, I won't talk much about it because it's going to be and i know some people will start looking at it because i'm going to talk about it but um because we have microbiome coming up in our mastermind three which is going to be killer um but uh, an excellent paper just came out talking about the relevance of the microbiome and the coronavirus and how people are set up and how we think even the microbiome may be, hey, this is why there's the potential of people that are flying through this without problems because the microbiome, remember, it really has a tremendous influence on metabolism, the brain, um, bone, um, the immune system, uh, you name it, it's integrated. And so we're putting all those pieces together is just fascinating. And I got way off topic here, but I didn't get off topic because butyrate is one of the bigger uh, components uh, that is produced by the microbiome by getting the appropriate amount of fiber into the gut. And it's a prebiotic and it's so necessary for your uh, for the anaerobes to be making butyrate because butyrate is something that's so important in developing colonocytes, um, but also has tremendous systemic effects, just like I'm talking about the disc. Now, I haven't done this yet, and now I need to do this. Is I'm not sure if there has been yet a correlation made to the microbiome and degenerative disc disease specific to not enough butyrate made. And there, and that may be, that may have been done. Um, I, I haven't been smart enough yet to, 
And now because of this question, I'm gonna to have to go and look at this um, because it's a really, I, I think I think there has to be a correlation because butyrate is such a significant uh, histone deacetylase inhibitor uh, and that's important. Wow, what an answer. I love how, how, if I'm just visualizing how you answered it, you started like from really up close and then it just expanded and continued to expand and expand. Um, That's because you let me think and let me start. You just let me talk and I just let you me. go. I'm, I want to pull out some big key factors in case, in case it was, uh, and I'm so used to like listening to you so that I, I do this really well with you now, Doc, especially when you go off um, on, on these like big wide question answers. Um, you had mentioned the PO21 is, uh, is, a, is I, I forgot if you said a fragment of, uh, it's kind of like cerebralycin. Is that easier to get than cerebralycin? Because that's been like a really tough, tough peptide to get a hold of. Well, cerebralycin should be coming quite easier to come uh, now into the US and, and that could be within weeks or if it's already here. Um, you, certainly, you, you certainly can get it um, through pharmacies um, for your patients outside of the country um, because it's used all across Europe uh, for multitudes of reasons. But uh, right now with Corona and getting things shipped into the US, it's a little more difficult. Mm -hmm. But the PO21 is, is, being, is made by compounding pharmacies here in the US. And it's, um, it's, a, it's a specific, um, it's a specific part of cerebrolysin. Cerebrolysin has a multitude of peptides uh, and factors, and this is just pulling out basically the main one, and that's the uh, that is the uh, uh, ciliary uh, neurotrophic factor, and cool. and that and and that is, in fact, that has there's some there's a lot of it's very neuroprotective. It's an it's a nasal peptide. It upregulates again what we're looking for. It, it it helps you produce more brain neurotrophic growth factor, brain drive neurotrophic growth factor, which is what we're looking for with yeah. a multitude of neurodegenerative problems, uh, with depression, anxiety, and and as, uh, axonal flow in the axon. I mean, there's so many aspects that are so so significant to brain drive neurotrophic factor, and this. It'll, I'll bring you to another paper, an interesting paper that, that some people have put a lot of validity into, but I, I really don't see the issues um, that have been brought up about using cerebrolysin and the possibility of building antibodies to um, ciliary uh, uh, neurotrophic factor um, be, because of some issues with the um, cerebrolysin. Um, I haven't seen that and I've, uh, I've used a lot of cerebralycin and, and people over the world have used cerebralycin and with, with excellent results, depending on, you know, again, what you're, what you're looking for. Um, but with that argument made, um, this, this specific nasal uh, introduction of the um, ciliary neurotrophic factor uh, is pretty cool um, in my mind. And, and it's a, uh, and it definitely has the research behind it. Uh, and again, it works, it can work on pain um, through that brain neurotrophic, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which we think has a significant relevance in negating um, the calcitonin-related uh, 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 
um, the the calcitonin uh, related uh, oh, which one is it um, nerve factor. Very cool, uh, and I like that it's a nasal spray because people are very scared of needles. Um, yeah, I mean, you can use it. It's something, it's a peptide that can be utilized for neuroprotection and um, also for neurocognitive um, function. That's awesome. Um, and it, it has, it can have significant benefits from that, from that aspect. I, I think it's a great, it's a great peptide. And my last takeaway from that answer was that butyrate is also a very great probiotic. And then you started going into why well, it's not a pro so good. That's it's so not a probiotic. It's, it's not a probiotic. Oh, it's, it's a, not. it's a, it's produced by the microbiome, the anaerobes that produce uh, butyrate from a prebiotic. Um, and, um, and as you know, I'm a big proponent of ketone esters and ketone esters are the ultimate with histone deacetylase inhibitor in inhibition plus nutrition. So you've got all kinds of ways that you can go at this, um, which I think are all significant things to look at. That's very good. Well, I hope that was, that was enlightening for you, Mobas. Thank you for the question. Um, next question. And I think this is the last one that we have time for today. Uh, talk about a science lesson today. I love it. Um, next question is a short question from Wendy Smith who asks, oh, okay, this is a little loaded, but um, what peptides for leukemia? Okay, so that's a really good question. And uh, the answer to that is that has to be specific with your physician and your oncologist and how they work together and you got to really keep an open relationship with your physicians um, to make sure they're all working at the same. Uh, they all have the same information, and because there is no, there's no specific peptide. You know, the, the peptides that we use in cancer and work with uh, with our oncologists and and other physicians together are more adjuvants to the treatment, the traditional treatments, and. And meaning what we're trying to do is, is help the immune system while we're working um, um, to, to actually kill cells with chemo or radiation therapy. So, so things like thymus and alpha-1 can be very helpful in, in that respect um, because you're, you're doing something to kill cells that potentially can also lower the immune response but when you work together with your docs you can do things to kind of work on both sides of that equation and keep people healthier and also make the immune system work more towards uh, working against those cancerous and senolytic cells um, and, and that's just an example I mean we gave some I think I think we did a really good job of of talking about specific peptides that are that are now under clinical trials in, uh, in our Leukemia Lymphoma Society discussions about how there are definitely peptides that are available in clinical trials and that, that are out now in, in some respects that are used to treat, um, uh, work against certain uh, um, 
uh, to work as kinase inhibitors or, or things that are that are more commonly used in, in treating leukemia. But those are decisions you have to make with your oncologist and, and your doc like myself or whomever that's working with a team um, in a team approach. And, and you really just don't wanna be randomly, uh, you know, just throwing a peptide at something. Um, you wanna make sure that your doctors are discussing your care together and, and that they're on the same team. Um, because sometimes that won't happen. Sometimes you don't, you won't have that. Uh, but it's, it's, it's really amazing now, at least in the oncology side, how integrated they are, uh, oncologists are in, in the world of peptides and actually they're the forefront of, of their treatment regimes now, uh, regiments now that are coming, that are coming, uh, to fruition. And, and so that's, that's really where everything comes together, I think, and where we're going to see more of these, um, more of these peptides utilized uh, in conjunction uh, with radio uh, radiation therapy or chemotherapy and so forth. So you you just got to get the team together, and and that's what we do. We can we work together. So Absolutely. that's a great question, but it's nothing you can just throw out at somebody and. Um, it's uh, it, it doesn't work like that. Uh, for the for the person asking this question, uh, Wendy Smith, if you visit Dr. Seeds's YouTube channel, not only will you see him answering this question live, but you will also find the entire seminar that we did with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society there for your viewing. Um, definitely recommend you sit down for that. Um, any particular topic that comes out at you, Doc? Was it, would the one that you did about the future of uh, cancer, that one, the promising future of cancer, would that be a good section? Mm -hmm. Or maybe even the one with Dr. Schwartz, with Erica? Uh, um, well, yeah, cause she kind of talks about the generalities of thymus yeah. and alpha one, but I think the beginning and the end of what I talk about are right. really maybe what she's looking for in how there are definitely peptides that were are more focused on um, on p53, that, which is a tumor suppressor gene, and how p53 is controlled by um, MDM2 or um, and MDM4 or MM4, um, which are their modulators, and they they ubiquinate and take away p53, and how we can control the proteasome and these these ways of, of keeping P53 around so it can do its job and improving autophagy. It, it, there's a lot to it, um, but that's why you have to, you, you can't answer these things yeah. in generality and you can't um, and you can't just tell somebody, hey, go take this because it doesn't work that way. You gotta, gotta have your team. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed to be working with a lot of different physicians that are, uh, are amazing um, um, physicians and, and actually uh, working as a team, you accomplish a lot more. That's fantastic. Okay. All right. So I think we have time for one last question. And I don't know you how just fast said one last question. You know, just said that was one a last short question. question. You, you answered it in record time, Doc. <laughs> I was all, right. all right. All right. Last all one right. of the all day. Right. An additional question for Dr. Seeds. This is this looks like it's from a physician because um, he follows you. He, um, Dr. Seeds, would he recommend taking niagen supplements since his focus is on NAD plus? 
Mm. Wow, that's a loaded question too. So niagen, they're they're just talking about nicotinamide riboside. Niagen is a name. Uh, it, it's like a, it's another supplement name for nicotinamide riboside, um, and that is a precursor for um, NAD making NAD through the salvage pathway. Um, I like niagen. I like um, I like any of those because they're all licensed through Chromadex, who makes the basically who who are making the um, the NR or nicotinamide riboside. Um, so um, uh, so so when I say that, um, I think it has potential. Uh, in, in for some people, but it's not the solution. It's just, a, it's an addition to maybe improving NAD, which is important in cellular redox and, and important in, in helping the cell in, in eventually, you know, producing more ATP, making it more efficient and so forth. And that's why sometimes when you give N, uh, this uh, true niagen or uh, niagen, what you called it, uh, or nicotinamide riboside, um, or there are other ones like NMN or um, or niacin itself, uh, or nicotinic acid. These things can be all, you know, they work through the salvage pathway and they're improving NAD. Well, that NAD is something that the cell needs for redox and can make it more efficient. Uh, but it's a pathway and it's, it doesn't mean because you're giving that to the, the cell, you're correcting the problem. And, and that is something that, you know, that I want everybody to understand that we use some of these supplements to help us initially in working with patients, but it may not be something we use in a long-term fashion because we're working on mechanisms of improving the cell all the way through the function of improving um, improving the ability of the cell to clean itself up, become more catabolic, catabolic meaning create more energy for the cell to be used uh, when it needs it. And, and that goes through the aspects of, you know, appropriate diet or calorie restriction or intermittent fasting or exercise that all do the same thing with improving um, AMPK and AMPK upregulates PGC1 alpha and PGC1 alpha up uh, improves mitochondrial biogenesis, which improves oxidative phosphorylation, which improves, and that's just a very short short steps in describing all that. But they're they're just ways of improving the cell um, efficiency, and and they're ways to do that right. The NAD is a, a little trick of where you're just giving that NAD. A precursor to get in that salvage cycle um, to to help um, uh, you know improve a little bit energy and immune function and DNA repair and all the things that you need NAD for um, uh, and inflammation and you know we we go through that in great detail in Mastermind One talking about cell redox but but I think. The important thing about this is um, 
to understand when you take this, you need to take a lot of it to be effective. You need to take at least, those usually come in like 300 milligram capsules. You need to take three or four of those over a gram, actually about a gram or more to maybe make that change. Um, but again, I do like it. I think it's an, I think it's an excellent, has excellent research behind it. Um, the, the, all the, all the guys involved with that men and women and, um, and, and uh, I've always, I think I've always given a lot of, um, uh, I've always said a lot about Charles Brenner, who I, I think is a brilliant guy and done great work with that and stayed true to the science. So um, that's his product. Um, I don't usually say things like that, but he's a real scientist and has done some really good things. Um, and there are a lot of good scientists, so don't get me wrong there. Um, but that being said, there are a lot of other ways to do this, but it's a nice little thing to use when you need it. Uh, I'm not about using it long-term, um, uh, not at all. Um, I, I'm a, I think it's more important to cycle it, but it's more important to have a bigger plan than just using NAD, okay? That's, that's what I think everybody should understand. Um, and then we get into more advanced ideas of, of working in that salvage pathway uh, where we talk about trying to control the, uh, uh, the uh, nicotinamide N-methyltransferase, which is something that steals um, nicotinamide riboside in, and, um, and there are ways to inhibit that and work against it. And so you have to be careful too when you use nicotinamide riboside or these supplements because sometimes you can be fueling problems. So again, this has to be used. I, I'm, I know it's out there as a supplement, but I really think you need guidance with a physician that understands how to use these because there are a lot of questions still that we have in, in, um, in are you doing things? So if you, if you give this nicotinamide riboside and let's say you're creating more methylation problems like you have in fatty liver disease or um, in other issues, so are you driving that farther? And I don't think that answers that, that's been an answer yet that we have. So again, I think it's just important as we are the people out there as the clinicians using these and, and recommending these and dealing with the consequences with the patients and not the people out there just doing the papers and just saying, hey, you can use this, doesn't work that way. Does not work that way. And I wanna make that clear too. So you really gotta, you gotta have the experience and you, you gotta be smart sometimes how you use these type of um, adjuvants to improving cell function. I don't hear you, Karen. That, Doc. Sorry, oh, okay. I was muted for a second there, but what, what an interesting way to um, um, think about the solution to that is that it's not the complete solution. It's, it's, the, it's a means to get to somewhere else. I like that. Well, well what have we always said? I mean, when somebody yeah. tells you they have the one solution, well, mm -hmm. you might as well shut off your, your, your computer. Oil. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, that's not the way anything works. Uh, I'd say... You know, even if you said, well, exercise is the solution. Well, no, it isn't. It is a great solution, but you got to know how to do it right. You got to know when to do it. You got to know how to not overdo it. I mean, 
you know, there's all those issues. Um, and, and diet is a big part of exercise too. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of things that come together in my mind um, in looking for the complete solution. And again, that's what we do as physicians that work with all of these things and work with the patients and get the feedback constantly and have to deal with the issues of, you know, that's the, that's the most fascinating. Let me tell you the most fascinating part of this, of, of something that just comes to mind is you can have all the right intentions and you can have all of these things that say they do these things and have no changes at all in a patient. This is the art of medicine. It's being, it's utilizing the appropriate supplement or uh, peptide or small molecule at the right time in combination that uh, with other things that make sense at, at that time with the patient, uh, with their issues. And it's so easy to be able to sit up there and just, you know, spout off a lot of things about how this works in a cell. And this is, well, if you don't have the experience and you're not taking care of patients, I don't care what you say. It means nothing to me. It means absolutely nothing to me. It's just, how are we supposed to know that, right? Because you can get this stuff from Amazon. You can get this over the counter. Little do we know that you're not supposed to use it for a long period of time. You know what I mean? So it's, it, this, this is very important to discuss. Well, but again, well, that's all this, you know, these are things that, that that's my opinion. Okay. That's my opinion. Um, but there is no research on long-term use yet. It's not mm -hmm. there. And, but we do know, we know enough, and, and we certainly, no one will argue with me that this is, that is certainly not something that you want to continue on a continuous basis when, when there can be other issues. But, but again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not downplaying the fact that it, it can be a significant supplement in, 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 um, in the beginning of therapies um, or once you've got cell efficiency improving, it's something you can add in. And, and I've had great success with something like that as an oral. Um, but, but I try to do things more, more focused on upstream where I'm working on, and no one can, you know, you can't argue that in letting the cell do its job of improving the salvage pathway um, and, and improving the cell redox itself, because all of those are what affect NAD. And again, we're the people doing that. We're not, we're not out there trying to sell something or talk about how this works in this paper. Well, we've read those papers, we know that information, and we're also implementing that. And we're working with patients and we're getting feedback. So that's a huge difference. And, and that's, that's where I have a little bit of difficulty when you get these people on all of these podcasts and TV and they don't take care of one damn patient, but they spout off a lot of and, um, and, and let me back up though and say, there are some really smart people out there and they have really credible things to say. And I even, I even, I even prescribe to some of these things, some of these people say, but everybody has to kind of tone it down and, and, and really be honest with your audience and say, look, this is what I do. I'm not a, I'm not working with patients every day, but I've done this. And then I have all the respect in the world for you. 
and and I'm I got I hope I don't offend a lot of people saying that I just wanted to make sure that I say this correctly um, because I think it's really important to the listeners um, because we have an obligation to patients and, and patient safety and patient um, and, and we all want the best outcomes and and it, it, it's just it's just easy it's just an easy trap to fall into Absolutely. I probably said I probably said too much it's it, but it's kind of a breath of fresh air right you've got we've got all of these I, I we, there's just so much information out there and and when, ever since we started this this podcast doc it's it is about having all the information and there is no absolute it's it, it's just it, I don't know. There's one thing that's remained true is that you will give all the information and you're the first person to say that, hey, I don't know if this is the final result, but this is what we know so that you make the best decisions. That's always kind of been your, your motto. And I see the question about the vaccine. Listen to our previous episode so that you can get that answer. Doc, we went over. I didn't realize. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it, and I'm sorry. If, I'm sorry for for taking um, more of your time than I needed to. But this is a very important topic and a great way to kick us off. I think for the new year. The point I'm just trying to make is there's a lot of great, smart people out there. They got a lot of great information. It's just up to you as the viewers to make sure you understand where they're coming from. And that that's my main point. I I, I don't want to I don't want to discredit some great work that's being done and some great research and and information that's being put together to make it easier for us as physicians to help take care of people too um so so don't hold me you know don't be too cruel on me uh, <laughs> with some of the things i say but but i have a very thick skin yeah and i can i i take it every day so it's fine well, let's go. Let's start a conversation, listeners. Well, thank you for joining us for our first episode of the year. First of many to come. Keep your questions coming, folks. We have a, uh, well, we have an up a new website that we just launched for Dr. Seeds is medical training. Uh, you can visit that at www.ssrpinstitute.org. If you are a, a practitioner looking to get more information on how you can get trained, that's where you visit. But if you are not a practitioner and you have more questions for Dr. Seeds, keep them coming. Info at seeds.md. I think that covers just about everything. Doc, thank you so much for your time. We will be back in two weeks. All right. Bye. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs>